are so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that this morning that he would be lifted high in our midst here in this room, in our hearts, in our lives. I pray that we would be magnifying his name and not our own. We recognize that Jesus Christ is the one foundation that truly lasts, that truly provides the stability not only in this life but the one to come that we need, that we crave, that we're actually looking for. Pray that you help us to honestly look at our hearts and lives this day, even in these next few moments, that we would hear your voice as we do that together. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. I'm not sure how up everyone is on pop culture, but I'm guessing that most of you have heard of Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is a celebrated actor and director and producer. If you see the credits for some of his more recent movies, sometimes you see that he's the star, he's the producer, he's the director, and he wrote the soundtrack. Come a long way from Spaghetti Westerns in the 60s. Clint Eastwood has a son named Scott who is following in his father's footstep is also an actor and the magazine Esquire sat down with both of them together to do an interview not too long ago. And the interviewer asked Clint, he said, when you look back on your life, the point that you're at, he's in his late 70s now. When you look back at your life, is there anything that you regret? And Clint responded by saying, I don't look back. There's no sense in looking back. I only look forward. I only look at what's next. And his son Scott chimed in and he said, I do just what he does. I'm always looking ahead. What's coming next? What movie is next? What project is next? The interview continued for a little while. And then at one point, the son, Scott, got up and left the room. His part of the interview was over. And as soon as he left the room, Clint turned to the interviewer and he said, actually, sometimes I do look back. And sometimes I do regret how I've spent my time. I could have spent more time with my son. I was filled with regret when my father died. I lived right next to him. I could have spent a lot more time with him, but I was always off doing movies. Probably no one has heard of Colton Mockler. Colton Mockler graduated from Harvard University with an MBA, and he joined the Gillette Corporation as an errand boy and worked his way all the way up to CEO. He was a CEO of Gillette for 16 years, and during that time, he fought three hostile takeovers. He brought Gillette to dominate the industry. Their stock was worth 50 times what it was when he took over as CEO 16 years before. And in January of 1991, Forbes magazine <clears throat> decided to put Mockler on the cover of the next issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
The issue hadn't been released, but they decided to send him an advanced copy to review it. And when the messenger boy got to the executive offices of Gillette and delivered the magazine to him and he opened the package and took it out, all of the executives literally gave him a standing ovation for all that he had done for their company. He had millions in the bank. He had recently announced that he would be retiring in a few months. And while the rest of the executives applauded him, he walked down the hall, he stepped into his office, he closed the door, and he crumpled to the floor dead instantly of a massive heart attack with that magazine still in his hands. Now, I understand that not many of us will be Oscar-winning actors and directors or CEOs of Fortune 500 corporations. But every one of us here is living life. Every one of us here is building a legacy. It's the sum total of all that we've accomplished, no matter who we are. And we all have to decide how we're going to live our lives. A researcher from the University of, of Columbia University, rather, has somehow determined that the average person makes 70 choices a day. That's over 25,000 a year. That's 1,788,500 over the course of a 70-year lifetime. And philosopher Albert Camus says, life is a sum of all of your choices. So you put those 1,788,500 choices together, and that's who you are. And all of those choices begin with one choice. Are you going to build on your own legacy, or are you going to build on the name of Jesus Christ? Now, this is a choice that everybody makes, okay? Not just Christ followers. I'm guessing in this room with as many people as are here this morning that many or maybe most of you are Christ followers. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I'm also guessing that there are some of you who don't. That you are without Christ. That you are, you are not living life related to him. Christ follower or not. We all make this choice. Who are we living our lives for? Now, we're going to read a passage today that's going to be familiar to many of you. It's often called the wise man and the foolish man. How many people have heard this story? It's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. We're going to read it together this morning. We're going to see this is something that Jesus did a lot when he was teaching. He told a story. He gave an illustration. Sometimes they were called parables. And a parable is simply a regular story that everybody understands, that everybody can relate to, but has a spiritual point. I'm not saying that Jesus thought we were all a little thick and slow. But maybe I'll say that a lot of times we're a little thick and slow, because I'm one of you. 
And so Jesus told these stories with a point. And that's what this story is this morning. I, I thought about this a little bit. I'm sure Tim could come right up and we could do a duet. There was a little song that we used to sing in Sunday school about the wise man and the foolish man building his house upon a rock. But we won't do that. I don't know, unless Tim wants to, we could. No, we won't do that. We have valuable podcast time ticking away and people aren't going to want to tune in and hear that. So we won't do that. But I do want to read it for you this morning. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. This is Jesus speaking. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now if you are, and I understand there's two groups here, those that have heard this story before and those that haven't, If you have heard this before, there's probably a good chance that you have heard these storms, the rain falling and the floods coming and the wind blowing and beating against the house. You have probably heard someone say, these storms are the storms of life. And you've got to have your life based on Jesus Christ or, or the storms of life and the trials of life are going to blow you over. They're going to ruin your life. And you need that anchor. But I'm going to suggest to you this morning that this is not what Jesus is talking about. Now, it is true. It is true that we will face storms and trials and difficulties in our lives, and we do need to be anchored in Jesus Christ in order to withstand them. That is absolutely true. That's absolutely biblical. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. And I'm going to show you why here in a minute as we look at it. But I want us to look at some similarities and differences. And I've asked the guys to to put these four verses on the screen and just leave them there so that you can see, because we're going to compare a few things. First of all, let's look at some some similarities. There's, There's two situations here, right? Okay. All right. That was a test. And you failed. Well, three of you didn't, but everybody else did. Two situations. So I want you to see how they're the same, and then I want you to see how they're different. First of all, the similarities. I want you to see that they both heard the truth and responded. They both heard the truth and responded. It says in verses 24 and 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. Okay? They both heard the words, both responded. Everyone here is going to hear the same thing this morning. Okay? Except I've had a few comments. It's good to know that people are reading our blogs, Tim. But um, a few weeks ago, I had written a blog that Christy put on the app for us that talked about the fact that almost every service I've ever preached in in 25 years, at least one person has fallen asleep. 
So I don't know if you're going to be that person this morning or not. If, not. if you are, then you won't hear these words. But for everyone that doesn't fall asleep, you're all going to hear the same thing. And you're all going to respond. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But everyone's going to hear the same thing and respond. Here's a second similarity we see in these verses. They both built a house. 24 and 26, they both built a house. Just like everybody here this morning is going to hear these words and respond, everyone here is building a house, a life, a legacy from the youngest to the oldest. I don't know how old the youngest person is that's in here. A lot of the kids are out there, but there's probably somebody in here that's 8, 9, 10 years old. You're building a life, even at that young age. I don't know how old the oldest person is that's here this morning. 80? I don't know. You're building a house. You're building a life. You're building a legacy. Everyone is going to. Everyone leaves a mark. You're leaving a mark. The question is not whether or not you're leaving it. The question is what kind of mark it is. Here's the third similarity. They both heard the truth. They both built a house. Here's number three. They both faced the storm. Verses 25 and 27, you can see if you want to refer back to it there on the screen. It says the exact same thing in both verses. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house. These storms are not the trials of life. These storms represent the judgment that comes at the end of our lives. Because the house is already built. It doesn't say, the guy was framing up the walls, Tim. And the rain came and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat. No, it says they built the house. The house was built, it was done. The storm, the rain, the flood, the winds are judgment that comes at the end of our lives. Hebrews 9.27 says... It is appointed by God for men once to die, and after that, judgment. We're all going to face judgment at the end of our lives. After the house is built, we face judgment. There are two judgments talked about in this regard in the Scripture. First one is in 1 Corinthians 3, and it's about those of us who are Christ followers. We're going to face judgment. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ in everything that we have done from the moment of our salvation till the moment we stand there is going to be judged by God to determine whether or not it was done for him or for us. I am so thankful that when I stand before Jesus Christ at the end of my life, my sin is not going to be judged because Jesus already took care of that on the cross. But everything I have done is going to be judged as to whether or not it was for his glory or not. The rain is going to fall. The flood is going to come. And the wind is going to blow and beat against the house of my life to determine whether it was for the glory of God or not. Now, for those who are without Christ, Revelation chapter 20 says there's going to be a judgment. It says the dead, small and great, are going to stand before the throne 
And the books are going to be opened. And all of the sin of your life is going to be judged and you will have to pay for it. The rain's going to fall and the floods are going to come and the wind is going to blow and beat against your house. They both heard the same thing. They both built a house and they both faced a storm. Now let's look at a few differences and then we're going to bring this all together. First difference we see in verses 24 and 26 is one acted on what he heard and one didn't. You see that? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, and then 26 says, everyone who hears these words and does not do them. One guy was intentional about his obedience and then the other guy wasn't. I said we were going to refer to this just a couple minutes ago, and the time is now. I think it's incredibly important for all of us, if you know this, to be reminded of it. If you don't know it, then please hear what I'm saying this morning, that inaction and inactivity is also a choice. Okay? Did you get that? I told you earlier that everyone that's here this morning will hear the same words and respond. And some of you may have been sitting there saying, you can say whatever you want, buddy, but I'm not responding to what you say. By not responding, you're choosing. You're choosing not to respond. You cannot sit. You do not have the right to sit and hear the words of Jesus and say, I'll figure that out later, but right now I've got this going on. That is a choice. That's a choice. If I had a buck for every time in the last 25 years, I've heard somebody say, I hear what you're saying, but you've made your choice. You see, we don't get to choose whether or not we will worship we only get to choose who or what we will worship. Did you catch that? We don't choose. I'm not a worshiper. You Jesus people can do whatever you want. It's a free country for the moment. But this is what I'm going to do. And just leave that worship stuff, that God stuff, just leave me out of it. Guess what? I hate to shatter all of your illusions, but you're a worshiper. If you draw breath on this earth, you're a worshiper. You are worshiping something. Might be God. I pray that it is. I hope that it is. Or you might be worshiping the God of family or the God of lifestyle or the God of leisure or the God of money or whatever it is, but you're a worshiper. You just choose what you worship. One acted on what he heard and one different. Here's, didn't. Here's a second difference. One built on a rock and one built on sand. The word for rock here is a Greek word, petra. And it doesn't mean like a rock that you till up in your garden 
or the rocks that were about this big that they found when they cleared my house lot. It means a cliff. It means a massive rock formation, a ledge, a mountainside, which of course is stable and unmoving and permanent. One built on a rock, one built on a cliff, a ledge, a massive unmoving rock, and the other built on the sand. Now, of course, we know the difference between a cliff and the sand, right? I mean, the sand shifts, sand blows away if it's dry, right? Or it gets washed away on the seashore. Jesus says the one who built on the cliff, on the large mass of rock, was wise. He was practical. He was thinking about what he was doing. The man who built on the sand was foolish. I had to chuckle to myself when I was kind of digging into these a little bit deeper, and I found out that the word that Jesus used there for foolish was literally a moron. Jesus said, the man who built his house on the sand was a moron. And it carries with it the idea of not having a grip on reality. I will say this. It takes an infinitely greater amount of time and energy and sweat to build on a ledge than it does to build on a beach. We built our house a few years ago. I thought I was never going to be able to get on there with a saw and a hammer because we had to clear the land and then we had to dig down. And we found Petra, didn't we, Tim, at my house? We found a large mass of rock and we had to move the whole house down the hill and then poured a foundation, laid drain tile, backfilled, all of that. I could have had my house built in the time it took to do all that preparation for the foundation. Of course, it wouldn't have lasted. The wise in this regard are patient and willing to put in the time. The foolish are impatient and anxious to put their feet up. You can build a tiki hut on the beach faster than I can even put a deck on a foundation. But the house on the foundation is going to last a lot longer, isn't it, than that straw hut. That's what Jesus is talking about. The third difference, of course, one had a house that endured and one had a pile of debris. The first one lasted. It didn't fall. It had enduring value. The other one was reduced to a pile of garbage. Jesus said it fell, and great was the fall of it. It was a scene. It was dramatic. It was devastating. Interesting little side note, the Greek word for great there is a word we use a lot, mega. Jesus said, and mega was the fall of it. I mean, it was a scene. There's going to be a lot of people at the end of their lives who are going to be shocked at what's left. 
after a lifetime of work. When the rain falls and the floods come and the wind of judgment blows and beats on what you're building, will it be something lasting or will it be a pile of garbage? Now, let's just take a couple of minutes before we end here and make this intensely practical. I want to ask everyone this, not just Christ followers, but everyone that is here, everyone that's listening. Think about how you are living. Just pause right now and think about the way that you're living your life. Is your life about you? Or is your life about Jesus Christ? Is your life about you or is your life about Jesus Christ? When people look at you, when people look at the way you live, how you make decisions, how you spend your money, how you do your job, how you treat your spouse or your kids or your friends or whatever the case may be, is your life about you or is your life about Jesus Christ? I can hear the thought echoing in some of your hearts and minds already. Well, I got to take care of my family. I put my family first. I'm not talking about putting your family before you. I agree that is important. I'm talking about putting your family before Jesus. Because you putting your family before Jesus or your job before Jesus or your future financial health before Jesus or whatever it is that you want to talk about. That's making life about you. That's you saying this is more important than he is. Why does any of this matter? What difference does it make? Well, it matters, friends, because of just what we've said already, and that is that none of this stuff lasts. None of this stuff lasts. Peter says in 2 Peter 3 that one day all of this will dissolve. (laughs) Dissolve. And we work so hard for all of this stuff, for the stuff of life, don't we? We work and we strive and we sweat. By the way, I don't know if you've ever made this connection, but back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve totally blew God's plan out of the water by choosing for themselves what they would do, do you know what God said was part of the curse of sin? He said, by the sweat of your brow, you will labor to make a living. All of our sweat and all of our work, it's all going to dissolve. That house that I was just talking about that we built 12 years ago and Tim came down the hill and helped me build it and Jeff was there helping with hardwood floor and my dad came down and helped us put the siding on and we worked and worked and built this beautiful house and it's only 12 years old and you know what Tim and I did last year? 
We ripped out the front door and the sill and the ends of a bunch of joists and replaced it because it was rotted in 12 years. In February, I bought a 2014 Toyota Camry. I know you're all really interested in this. 2014 Toyota Camry. It's a nice car. I drove to New Hampshire, Gavin and I did, and we looked at it. The guy that we bought it from bought it new in 2014 for $23,000. And I bought it a year ago. It was four years old. You know how much I paid for it? $10,000. In four years. What was worth 23000 was worth ten, And in four more years, when I'm done with it, it's probably going to be worth three. Why? Because everything in this world is going to dissolve. It rusts and it rots. It's all going. Remember the 1.78 million choices you're going to make over the course of your lifetime? It's really about one choice. Where are you going to build your house? On your name or the name of Jesus? Where are you building? Where's your time going, your energy, your money? Because everything that we built here and brought and bought here and have won here is going to crumble to dust when the storm of judgment comes. Is there going to be anything left standing? Are you living the truth of Jesus to those that you love? Are you showing by your life that there's only one name that will last forever? And friends, let me just say this. Please, please beware of the danger of failing to self-examine. This life moves fast. And we wake up and our feet hit the floor and we earn paychecks and we cash them and we build houses and we buy cars and we have babies and we live life. And it's really easy for it to all happen and not examine what we're doing and why we're doing it. What's going to be left? What's going to be left when the winds blow and beat against what you're building? There's only one thing that matters. Only Jesus. I'm not really one for uh, New Year's resolutions. I know this is the season for all that stuff. But what if we all decided to forget about our own legacies and what if we all decided to do everything that we do to bring glory to the name of Jesus? What if we all decided to to point people to Jesus, to live the truth to those that we love? What would happen? God would be glorified. His will would be done. His kingdom would be built. All the choices of life Really one choice. To build your own legacy or to build on the name of Jesus. That's what it comes down to. I'm wondering if 
that's where you are this morning, and that's the choice that you're making. If you want to stand with us as we close this morning, stand with us and, and sing with us. Will you make this choice? Give me Jesus. You can have the whole world, but give me Jesus. Father, we're here before you this morning, and we we have heard your words. We have all heard it. And we're all going to respond here in a minute when we walk out of here. I pray that your spirit would would dig deeply into our hearts and would cause us to open our eyes and to see all that you are showing us. See what it means to give you glory in all that we do, to live a life that is intended to be for the glory of your name and not the glory of our own. And and it doesn't mean that we're out there self-promoting, but it means we're putting what we want ahead of what you want. And I pray that we might see that when we put you first, we put you at the center, then everything else comes along. Just a few verses before the ones that we read this morning, Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom, all of these other things will be added. You will care for us. You will give us the raw materials to build these houses. But we have to make the choice to build it on the rock. As we go out from here, Father, I pray that you would unite us, that you would use us as your church, as your people. Into this community we go. I pray that we would take your love and the light of your truth to all of those that we know and all of those that we work with and all those that we love. And Father, we end this morning the way that we started with this prayer that you would build your kingdom here. That you would change the atmosphere here because there is a kingdom seed in this room. It's the seed that is in our hearts that is planted there by the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray that that seed would would germinate, that it would break forth, and that it would grow, and that your kingdom would be built. And we'll give you all the glory for it, for it is your work that accomplishes this in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, folks. Have a great week.